welcome to Epiphany Fellowship's podcast, where our goal is to see people everywhere show off the glory of Christ in every area of life. We pray that you are blessed and encouraged by today's message and will allow the Word of God to dwell in you richly. Give me a little more in the foldies, please. A little more in the foldbacks. Well, good still morning. Good morning. How y'all feeling today? Y'all sound like y'all want to be here today. Amen. 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 Oh, y'all can do better than that. Y'all sound like y'all want to be here today? All right. All right. Y'all started off strong and got a little little weak. Amen. Well, um, these are exciting times that we're in as a ministry. I'm so excited. My wife did her last chemo session last week. And so... We're trusting God for renewed health. Um, she had a few reactions this morning, so she's not with us this morning, but otherwise she is recovering well with uh, not as many reactions as normal, so we're thankful um, to the Lord for that. Amen, amen, amen. Um, also, um, how many of you excited for Equip You, man? Come on. Yes. And so this Tuesday, um, we will be here. Um, we had almost 300 people signed up. Um, which is amazing. Um, praise God, praise God, praise God. And so uh, we got to reconfigure our spaces over these next upcoming time, but um, it's a good problem to have. We're thankful to God that so many people are so excited to learn and uh, to develop and to grow in their faith. Remember, this is a one of the central ways in which we'll be doing community life as well as biblical and Christian education. And so it is extremely important if you want to be a part of connecting, somebody say connecting, this is one of the main connecting mechanisms that we'll be utilizing church-wide uh, for uh, the, the unforeseen future. And so we want you to be deeply connected in this as we will have a time of eating before, and then we will uh, we'll, we'll dive into our classes. So do your homework and get ready, because this ain't, this ain't just Sunday school class where you just walk in and somebody teach you nothing wrong with Sunday school, no knock to Sunday school. Sunday school helped my life, so don't hear me saying that. Uh, but but I, I, we, we're upgrading you a little bit to now you're, you're reading and actually have assignments, amen? You may have to write a paper or something. Look at y'all, look at y'all, have to write a paper or something. You know, the Lord may change something in your life, just a little bit, to take you a little further along. I want to uh, um, acknowledge a group of people that's here with us today. Um, uh, the Devadars are, are, are leaders of uh, the Baraka uh, Foundation, and they are the ones that have invested in our after-school program. I want you to hold your hands up in the air, uh, family, and um, thank you all for that. They're on the second row right behind me, so thank you for all the kids um, that are in the program and everything, everything the foundation has invested in us to be able to minister uh, to um, what people call at-risk youth. I'm, I'm, we're going. We gotta. We gotta create something else. I don't. I don't like at-risk. Uh, um, 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 and so we. We let, let's. Let's start. I want y'all to send me some colloquialisms that better serve a hopeful, visionary future for. Because um, it's almost like they're on the verge of something bad. And I don't like that. And so that, I don't like that whole at-risk. It's good for getting grants, but not good for encouraging the kids. And so. Um, so what we want to do is we want to honor the Lord through having a hopeful and beautiful outlook on speaking life into our youth. Amen. Amen. Well, um, I think that's it. Yes. My son's birthday. He upstairs. He turned eight. Excited. Um, amen. All right. Let's dig in. We still in our series. 
rebranding. Um, let's turn over to Proverbs chapter 16, verses 1 through 4 and verse 9. Proverbs um, chapter Proverbs chapter 16, verses 1 through 4 and verse 9. Prayer on 3. 1, 2, 3, go. Amen. Today in this section of our series on the rebrand, uh, representing the church to represent Christ's reign on earth, our title today is Rebranding Purpose and Dreaming. Rebranding Purpose and Dreaming. Let's pray. Father, um, there is a bomb in Gilead, and we know that you are a healer, and we a sense of vibrance about our community, and I, I pray that good times aren't our anchor but you are, um, because we can be happy and excited when things are going well, but be downtrodden when things are tough. And so God, in this season of harvest and fruitfulness and post pruning, God, will you keep us near? Will you help us to have this sense of a, a commitment to you being our first love no matter what? Uh, because who we are is not in what we do, but in who we know. And so, God, may we boast in this that we know and understand you. Lord God, today, rebrand purpose. Help us to understand it biblically, not just based on pop culture. Let the words of my mouth, meditation of my heart, be acceptable in your sight. Oh, God, our strength and our redeemer, in whom we trust. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Um, rebranding purpose and dreaming. Bear with me in the introduction. Um, we got some ways to trek as we get into the text. Um, Three burning questions that everyone asks overtly and covertly. Um, and there are three sectors of our life. There's, repeat after me, significance, dignity, and identity. Oh, y'all got to do better than that. Significance, dignity, and identity. Significance, what's my purpose? Dignity, what's my value? And identity, who am I? How many of you have asked yourself one or all of these questions before? <laughs> Every person has a burning question about these things. And as we look in our society, um, I know you have kind of heard me kind of rag on popular preaching today. I mean, literally, if I want to get 100,000 views in, on, on the preaching message, and if, if, if I want people to pack in the church and really listen, you, you just it's three topics that's always going to be fire that people are going to pay attention to. Number one is how to get some money. People want to know about that. Number two, how to get a mate. Everybody come to church that Sunday. Everybody, even the married people, right? <laughs> and then lastly, purpose and dreaming. That's like purpose and dreaming are very popular messages. And one of the things I've gotten concerned about is we made purpose our purpose. Y'all, we'll get that on the way home. But we talk about making purpose our purpose. We almost, there's a worshiping of my value. There's a worshiping of my significance. There's a 
worshiping in our society of our identity and it's almost a Christless purpose and so and so what, what ends up happening is we don't realize that our activity isn't our purpose and we have to recognize and understand that from a biblical standpoint that we would be able to develop and understand a beautiful framework for that in God's word. Because one of the things that we tend to do is we tend to see what's popular in the world and the church kind of imitates, but we were supposed to innovate. And let me explain what I mean by that. Um, I, I was doing my devotions through Exodus and I came upon, a, you know how you read the Bible, I've read through the Bible, I can't, uh, I can't count how many times in the last 30 years I've read through my Bible uh, uh, cover to cover. And, and, and sometimes stuff just jumps out you differently. And um, I, I was reading a passage and it was talking about God had them to make incense, right? And he had them to make perfumes. And he said, listen, nobody is to make these outside of their designated purpose. And then he said, if you do and somebody does it, he says, I want you to exclude them from Israel's community forever. I was like, dang, Lord. All they did was mix some herbs and some spices together, right? Um, uh, but, but as I began to meditate on it, I was looking at how God is a, is, is a beast of a brander. Because basically, he was, he was letting you know that no one else can have the rights to this. Listen to me. It's, 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 it's so, and so basically, w w what this was, was you got to understand the incense and the, the perfume were used in the temple to, to be an aromatic expression and fragrance for God in the temple. And I was like, God, well, why, why are you so serious about nobody ever mixing these in an unauthorized way and not used for your purposes? And it was like the Lord was showing me in the scriptures. He said, because I wanted my, my, the, the, the scent from the temple of Israel to have a unique fragrance that no place else had. And in other, in, other, in other words, my people are supposed to smell different than everybody else. I can't have any unauthorized people acting like they're me. And in me. And so what I want to do is I want my people to be branded to smell a certain way. And I'm just telling you, everything in our life, we've been we've been trained and we've supposed to be developed to smell a certain way when it comes to the aromatic expressions and the notes of what God wants the people of God to smell like. And it should be a unique fragrance. It should smell like everything else. And so when we talk about purpose, the people of God should be the most unique entity in the world. And we have to understand this. You can't have purpose without the purpose giver. You cannot have the purpose without the purpose giver. Because that's what the Bible says. He's the author and perfecter or finisher of our faith. He innovates us. So our purpose flows from a few things. It flows from the gospel. And how does it flow from the gospel? Uh, of us being priests, of us being ambassadors, of us being a body, and us being the bride of Christ. These are some of your nicknames. Uh, the church has nicknames to give us a capsulated expression of what we're supposed to be. Priests pointed to the fact that priests were supposed to mediate uh, uh, the people, bring the people before God, bring people before God. Ambassadors supposed to represent God before the people. And the body is us being together and us being a bride is about our relationship and connection to Jesus Christ. If you wanna know who you are, look in the book, it's in there. And so when we understand that, let's, divine, let's define purpose. Let's define purpose. Purpose defined. Purpose is functioning in our God-ordained design. Stay with me. Our, our, not yours. It's very important. Purpose is macro. 
We have to understand that we all have a purpose. I'm, I'm gonna explain this to you. And it's never individualistic in the Bible. So functioning in our God-ordained design in the earth to glorify God. That, that's, that's our purpose. That, that's, that's our purpose. So I see purpose as less, as, as less of a specific season, but a constant moving of us walking in the wills of God. I'll explain that. Not the will of God, but the wills of God. So purpose flows from who you are, not on what you do. So walking in our purpose is our journey of us looking like Jesus and what we display. Many of us see, think our purpose is in the ultimate place we're going to be. You know how most of us think we're in our dream home, with our dream spouse, with our dream whatever, and then we can do life at leisure and help people at leisure, but not have any everyday responsibility of a grind. Most of us, that's that's our one day. I'm a this is the way we think of purpose. I'm gonna fall into what God put me here for in something that's a vocational uh, mixture of something that's gonna allow me to get all this bread so that I don't have to work as much anymore and I can do life at leisure. Most of us think of purpose that way. But, 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 because then we like, okay, life is finished. But some of us, God ain't gonna never give you that because you'll forget about him. Oh, ain't nobody gonna, I'm by myself. And, and, so, and so purpose isn't the destination, it's the journey. Uh, I'm glad the first service was a little more connected. And so your purpose starts at your spiritual birth date and ends at your death date. It's not some crowning point in your journey. Hear me, your purpose is all of your representation from your initial justification through your process of sanctification and all the way into glory and your glorification. Stay with me. And so purpose and calling, many people think of them as the same, but they're a little bit different. Purpose is your, the universal function of all believers. So all of us have the same purpose. But we tend to call our callings and our talents our purpose, which those aren't our purpose. Calling and gifts and talents are tools of purpose, but they're not your purpose. Stay with me, because we're going to walk through the text on this. I want you to really get this. For example, by purpose, we're all called to make disciples, but by calling and function, we do it differently. Right? So let's define dreams. What's a dream? Dreaming. Dreams is the freedom to hope and imagine and create to the glory of God. Let me say that again. The freedom to hope and imagine and create to the glory of God. Where do I see that in the Bible? Now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all you ask or think. That's dreaming. But it's according to the power that's at work in you. What's the power? If you go back to verse five of that chapter, it's the working of the gospel. So it's talking about gospel dreaming, not just personal dreaming for personal purpose and personal preferences. Now we're gonna come back to that in a second. Are y'all still with me? All right, so I got one point, one point only and 20 pages to get through. Point number one, our plans and dreams must revolve around God's purposes in the world. Our plans and our dreams must revolve around God's purposes in the world. Um, here we go, verse one. Now, interestingly enough in Proverbs, let me, let me just break down Proverbs real quick. This is Proverbs in a nutshell. Proverbs is about three groups of people. It's about wise, it's about the fool, and it's about the naive. The wisdom is fearing God. Being a fool means you don't fear God. 
Naive means you don't know nothing yet. Okay? Now, if, now, now, now the issue is there's one type of uh, uh, a wise person, but there are three type of fools in the book of Proverbs. But the worst fool is a Nabal, which is translated stupid fool. That means you're a fool on steroids, okay? And so, and so, and so, 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 so that, that, that's what it is. And so what all of those things do is the book of Proverbs from chapter 1 to 31 is showing you how to live out the chokmah or the wisdom of God in every area of life. And it gives you ways in which you live out God's purposes, which is us to be a maximized wise people in the earth to represent his reign. So now we come to chapter 16 and it tells you, Oh, uh, it's our purpose and, 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 our, and our function in wisdom is a person that relates to God in how they plan stuff and how they work through their purpose. So look at verse 16, verse 1. The reflections of the heart belong to man. That's beautiful. Now, reflections is interesting because it, 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 it's, it, the, word, the idea of the word means plans, considerations, or ordering, putting stuff in order, right? Now, this is the crazy thing about plans. God doesn't plan for you in specifics. Okay? Say that again. God has macro purpose based on his sovereignty and based on his, and, and he works it out through his providence. Let me explain it again. God's sovereignty is God's comprehensive rule over all creation that nothing happens without his control and knowledge. Grandmama used to say he's God all by himself and he don't need nobody else. That's what she used to say. So that's sovereignty. But providence is different. Providence is that is the touch of God on your life to use what wasn't his will and what is his will that won't get in the way of his sovereign macro purpose in the earth. What, what providence is, is God will be, it's like almost God is stalking you in the scenes to pull you back from stuff, to push you forward and stuff, to move some stuff out of the way, but to put you in the way of some stuff. It's, 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 it's like in the book of Ruth where God was providentially working. It's like in the book of Esther. You don't see God's name at all, or really, but what you see is you see his hand in, in some stuff. Sometimes you won't hear, you won't have a, a, a superlative, supernatural encounter with God, but you'll know God is active because some stuff is falling out of place and some stuff is falling into place and some stuff is working out because that's God at work and sometimes it don't it don't look miraculous it's just his providence but don't let that be a lack of a miracle in your life because the fact that God's hand is still on you moving on you and working in your life is a huge idea so the reflections of the heart belong to man that means you supposed to plan you plan God doesn't plan for you God isn't, listen, God isn't going to plan your meal prep. God isn't going to write your paper for you. God is not going to fill out an application for a job for you. God is not going to start the business. But as you work on the plans for it, he will providentially move you along or, or pull you away and tell you no. Now, I know you don't like that because God telling you no ain't popular today because of the way we function, but it but, but plans belong to us. So that means many of us think we're waiting on God, but God's waiting on us. And if you don't put something on paper, you're not serious. You can say you want something all you want, and you can pray about it all you want, but until you enter a planning process and educating yourself on something in particular, you ain't serious about it. That's why I say it's the, 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 the reflections. I like this because reflections here point to the fact it's not haphazard. It takes meditation and thought and, and study. It's not just people 
doing stuff. You know, they're not just busting a move, right? They're actually thoughtfully working through that thing. But it says it belongs to man. This is interesting because this idea of plans belonging to man goes back to Genesis 128. Genesis 128, God gives the original Great Commission. The second great, uh, the great Commission is um, repeated in Matthew 28, 18 to 20. But the first commission was in Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 28, verse 28 in particular. And it says this, it says, And the Lord bless man, and to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Then he says subdue it. So what God wanted his people to do is he wanted Un, uh, uh, men without men and women without sin who were vice regents of his glory to represent his reign on the earth by being fruitful and multiplying having a bunch of kids their kids having kids their kids having kids their kids having kids and then filling the earth but then he wants his glory all over the earth through man through man reflecting uh, uh, him with a, 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 a full on image of God but then he's, he wanted us to subdue it. That means to be creative. Do you know God created you to be a creative? Creatives aren't the only creatives, but all peoples of God are creatives. And so subduing means to take the earth and to use it in a way that reflects and honors the Lord. And so that's the idea of planning. In other words, the reflections of a man's heart, uh, 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 the reflections belong to man. So God wants man and he wants us to plan. Now, the issue is always plan with an open hand. Listen to me. Always plan with an open hand. Why, Pastor? Because the Bible says, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. Meaning, you can plan, but you got to leave room for the editor. Because, because let me, don't, don't, don't ever get mad when God works on your plan. Let me see if I can make a plan. I, I know y'all may have heard this before. So one time when I was in school, when I was my first year of college, it was fall 1991, Bowie State University, Dr. Gross class, went into her class, and she had us do essays and write, and got that job done. I came to class, it was Monday, Wednesday, Friday, boom, got it done. Got to put it in on Monday. I said, let me tell you something, Dr. Gross, this is, this is about to be an example for generations to come of how they should write papers. It's about that's what it's about to be. She said, "All right, Mr. Mason, you know, we'll see." So Wednesday came, boom. On Wednesday, got my. You know how the first thing they do. I don't know why teachers do this. The first thing they do in class is start passing your stuff back. I don't know why they don't wait to the end of the class for all that. They they do it in the beginning of the class. She puts it in the beginning of the class. I pull out the thing and it's bleeding with redness. And my continence was down. She says, better luck next time, Dr. Mr. Mason. Mr. Mason, better, better. And so I'm looking at the paper. And my continence was down. And she backed up. And she said something I'll never forget. She says, everything that you see in red, edit it. Give it back to me. And I'll give you credit as if you did it right the first time. When you do plans, you hand those plans to God. And God touches the blood of Jesus and he begins wiping out stuff that ain't supposed to be there, adding stuff that's supposed to be there. And then he hands it to you and what you and I are supposed to do instead of getting mad and instead of getting ticked off, we make the edits. And when you make the edits and hand it back in, but somebody says, God knows my heart. No, he does know your heart. That's why he has to edit. Somebody said, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Well, let's, let's talk about that. 
Listen, prayer isn't the dictation of your will to God. It's alignment with it. Okay. So, so what happens is, is when you begin to delight yourself in the Lord, that means you pray. You get with godly people that know more than you. And you get in his word. And by the time God starts to work on you and develop you, you begin to pray what he wanted to do in the first place. And the reason why it gets done was not because you came up with a good plan, but because you were with him. And because you were with him, he nurtured you and he changed you and he and he and he worked on you. You begin telling God, you act like you're telling him something new. He said, you just spent time with me and got my flavor and herbs and spices all up over you. And so now you're just praying back to me what I was already going to do. And that's why, because God wants to get all of the glory out of it. So when you he gives you the desires of your heart, it's really his desires in your heart. It's really his desires in you. And so you got to let the editor get to you. Somebody say, let the editor in. So what God does is he edits the plan or dream. He does. Not only that, sometimes the way God will edit your life is he hinders stuff from coming to pass. Oh, y'all don't like that word. Sometimes God will block some stuff. But let me explain something to you. If you don't understand macro purpose, but you, only un, uh, but you only have personal dreams, what will happen is you will make your, your personal dreams God's purpose. But when you look at God's purpose in light of your little dream, then what you have to do is you have to understand that your dream has to be plugged into God's purpose because if it's unplugged, God ain't gonna do it. And so what will happen many times is God will hinder stuff and close some doors for his glory. But let me tell you something, sometimes man's rejection is God's protection. Just, just sometimes. You was mad because they told you no, but really it was God protecting you from something. God was keeping you from something. And sometimes God was just saying, I didn't want you to go that direction in the first place. And you, want, you put your heart on it so strong and you idolize the come up, but not realizing, listen, God says, I'm not about your come up, I'm about the me in. So when God, God edits, sometimes he'll hinder stuff. And the hardest stuff for him to hinder is the stuff that you want to happen really badly that you've made the will of God before you learned that it was from God or not. That's why I tell people all the time, when you start dating somebody, be careful of emotional attachment too early. Because emotions are real but not truth. See, how you feel feels true but it's a feeling and it's real but it's not truth not truth truth and so what sometimes God hindering that situation that you sometimes oh God help me today some of us push stuff that God's hindering past the ex, expiration date of its season in our life and, and you got to be careful of moving some stuff forward that God is hindering. Oh, y'all think, think I'm in the Bible? Acts chapter, listen, this is good. Acts chapter 13, verses one through three, right? It says, God put Paul and Barnabas, the Holy Spirit says, set them aside for the ministry I've called them to. All through Acts chapter 13, they ministered together. All through Acts chapter 14, but in verse 25, it says, and the Holy Spirit completed the work that Paul and Barnabas were called to. But Paul and Barnabas, 
tried to take their relationship season in ministry beyond the expiration date that God had it. And so God said, oh, y'all going to stay together, huh? So then John Mark, he, they arose an argument. They, 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 they said they had a, a, they had a hefty argument. And Paul went his way. And, 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 and listen, and Barnabas went his way. He took Mark and Paul took somebody else. But it, but, 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 but it wasn't until, listen, it wasn't until Paul left and went back that he, and he let go of Barnabas that God sent him Timothy, his greatest spiritual son. But if he would have stayed with Barnabas, he would have never met Timothy. But he was trying to take a ministry or something into another season that God had caused an expiration date on. But, but, but when that season was over, he was able to go into the next thing and to be able to take on the next responsibility. Sometimes, listen, God has an expiration date on some stuff. Be careful of drinking expired milk. Because sometimes, we, we got to recognize, God hindering is a blessing. So I got to move. Sometimes he'll shelve the plan. Sometimes he'll shelve it. And sometimes there's stuff you want to do that's good that's not for you to do. Okay, I'm in the Bible still. David, come here, David. And David says, I want to build a temple for you. God said, you don't kill too many people. It's in the Bible. This is your man of blood. He said, your son will do it. Now, David was a warrior, you know, but he said, listen, I'm a, but that's what I like about David. Even though he couldn't build the temple, he made sure that his son had what was needed. He wasn't a hater. He went, even though God said he couldn't do it, he didn't hate on the person that God anointed to do it. He invested in and supported because God's kingdom purpose was bigger than his, y'all ain't with me. <laughs> and listen. Solomon got in, he was a lover, not a fighter. Look at the text. David was a fighter and a lover. But he but but Solomon never every time somebody was trying to kill David said, kill this one, because he did me dirty. That was, that's a wild chapter. If you look at the first chapter, kill Shorty right there. He did me dirty back about, about 10 years ago. Get him. Make sure he don't come in the kingdom at all. Make sure they have to. He tells him, all right, dad, all right, dad. Solomon's probably like, I got to kill somebody. But every time it's time to kill somebody, Solomon gets somebody else because that's not how he was wired. But sometimes God has something for somebody else that's wired differently than you to do it. Not you, but you're called to support them, even though you're not the one specifically with your hand to the plow to do it. It takes understanding, macro purpose, sovereignty of God, providence, and trust. And listen, there are two things you learn out of life that's really, really good. Who you are and who you're not. I'm going to tell you, learning who you're not is more of a gift than learning who you are. Try to tell you. Because, because listen, listen, listen. Uh, listen, some of us have a love affair with being something God hasn't wired us to be. But let me tell you something. When you find out who you not, who you are is a gift because now you know what to say no to. Uh, I got to move. Then sometimes God will call some unexpected doors to open. I, 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 I had some stuff open this week. I can't even, the Holy Spirit won't even let me talk about it. I can't. I can't because it would be so arrogant and it would look like I'm flossing. But I'm going to just tell y'all right now. When, when, when you trust God, for, and listen, what, God will, oh, I wish I could, but the Holy Spirit won't let me. Listen, listen, listen. It's something personal God did for me, my friend. I'm just telling you right now, 
God, listen, even when you, you think God ain't going to provide for something he put in you, and all of a sudden, oh man, he'll just do it. I just, that's all I can say without saying the whole thing. But I'm letting you know, trust the journey that God has you on. Trust his yeses. Trust his no's. Trust his maybes. Trust the dark seasons. Enjoy the harvest seasons. But no matter what you go through, know that your God is there with you. Your great navigator at the top of the ship. I wish I had some people in here that understand that we have a wonderful, sovereign, providential, majestic, providing, loyal, I gotta get through this sermon. Woo! Oh man. And sometimes, and this is why they hit me like that, because God will let some stuff fail so that you can see Him. Don't ever look at your failure as a failure. Because sometimes, listen, God wants to see if what you wanted was more important than him. All of that working, and that's the purpose. It's not the thing. It's the workings of God. So let's talk about the parameters of dreaming. Parameters of dreaming. Y'all can put that up there. Parameters. How do we do? reflect God's word? Must respond to God's edits and constantly be reminded of God's larger ends. What is God doing in the bigger picture that he's plugged me into in every season of my life to play a role in? This is so important. What bigger thing? Everything you do is connected to something big God is up to. Everything. And, if, and, and, and unless we as believers understand that we'll miss a lot of different things. And know what I like about God is, is and this is, this is what makes me break down about it. Because God, and this is the idea of the text, that God edits and he switches and he changes stuff. In, in other words, um, it's just like when we, we were working on trying to, we tried to get the building down the street. We tried to buy a city block, that didn't work out. We tried, had, had the resource, that didn't work out. Then we went to try to get the warehouse, that didn't work out. Then we just knew we was gonna get to school. Everything said yes, except for that last thing. And we still ain't heard nothing yet. And God's, and, one, and then the pandemic happened, which thank the Lord, we didn't buy the building because we'd have flushed our accounts. So God did this. 
He did what's called a divine pivot. Oh, y'all don't know what a pivot is? So, so in basketball, when, you, when you're trying to make room and space based on the opposing team, what you do is you, you're pivoting so that a play can be made, a pass can be made, or a bucket can be made. And sometimes you, you, do, them, you do them like this to get them back off you. But really, it, that pivot, pivot, it seems like you're stuck. And your opposer is all over you trying to get it. But if you're a skilled player and learn how to get into pivot and make a little space, you can go like that. That's how I sound when I, when I shoot the ball. But guess what? In your life, God has some of you on a pivot in your life. And God isn't saying no. He's just saying pivot. That, that's, all, that's all he's saying do. He's got us on a pivot in our lives. And all it's doing to create space so the, a space so plays can be made in your life and in the world to the glory of Jesus Christ. It says all a person's ways seem right to him. <laughs> it's crazy, verse 2. All a person's ways seem right to him or her. You know we don't think nothing wrong with us. We think everything we do is right. You see, when we make up something, we think it's, everything's good with it. See, you can't be sensitive and walk with God. You, you can't be sensitive. Can't be hypersensitive and, 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 and walk with him. And you gotta have some thick skin in the Christian life. Because most of the Christian life is an emotional fight. And so all the way seem right, you can't, you, you, listen, you gotta know what you like. Not what you like to have, but what you are like. Because when you know what you like, sometimes I'll be the Holy Spirit, I'll be like, you right, Holy Spirit. I'm, I, I'll be doing that sometimes, right? I'll be doing that, right? But guess what the text says? So he said, when you make plans and dreams, we, if you've been in church long enough, you know how to say the right things. God, we thank you. God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, we honor you, O oh God. God who hung the curtains of eternity. The one that dumps the pouring waters of the, the cascades of the universe to bring us rain. We know how to communicate, but God is doing like this. He's doing x-ray vision on your heart. You can say what you want. How you want it? Because the, the churchy people, we the most dangerous ones. Because we know how to shout, we know how to buck, we know how to hallelujah, hallelujah. Like all, why we all say it like that? Hallelujah, God. That's our culture, right? But guess what God does? He looks at the heart. And guess what he does? He takes out a scale, put your mind, emotions, will on one side, and he put what his will is on the other side to see if the scales are equal. If they're uneven, he has to edit not his will, but you. The greatest edits are not in the process of the plans that you do. The greatest edits is you. The gospel is working on your heart. Listen, the journey isn't about your vocation. The journey isn't about your dream. The journey is not about your passion. It's about Christ being formed in you. And until you understand that that's the main thing that God's up to, every season will be a frustration. Yeah. 
every season. So God works on our character. He works on our motives. And so, what's the design of purpose then, based on that? What's the design of purpose? Based on, based on, the, based on the verse, he weighs motives. What's the design of purpose? Our purpose is divine by the kingdom. Our purpose is not only defined by the kingdom, it's def it must be also defined biblically informed. Must be biblically informed. The kingdom is God's comprehensive rule over all creation. Right? Biblically informed means having a worldview as you plan and as you dream. You're free to dream, but there are parameters to it. Right? And most of the will of God is not a dot, it's a circle. Are y'all hearing me? I want y'all to look at this circle. Let's just say this green circle right here is the will of God. Everything out here is not the will of God. Many of us see our Christian life as everything is, I just wanna, you know, when I first trusted Christ, I was like, Lord, should I eat the turkey sandwich? Or the burger. I know the burger's bad, but it looks bussing right now, God. And uh, God, should I should I turn this corner or go that? You know, I was I thought I was being so spiritual by praying over every little thing, but God said that's a sign of immaturity. My will is larger than that. Many people, and y'all get mad at me if you want. Listen, the Bible doesn't teach there's a soulmate. It just says in the Lord. Many of us say, is that the one for me? Is that the one you carved for me, God? He's you, you about to pray? You know, he's like, is that the one that God? And then we think there's only one person for us. Listen, there's a pool of Christians. See who's walking with Jesus for real. Like for real. <laughs> and um, <laughs> like for real, not who come to church, but who want to be the church. And who got some accountability? And they didn't say, all right, boom, let's go work. But most of us have so many. We not only have, like, we want the person, person. We got a list in our journal of 10 pages of things that have, and listen, it's a dot, not a, it's a circle, not a dot. Most, is this the job should I take? It's the only, you got three jobs. God's like, pick one. Should I work at, should I work at Einstein? Should I work at Temple? You should be like, thank you for options, God. That's what you do. Thank you for options. Understand what I'm saying? God, like, I, I provided all of them. Pick one of them. Very few things, very few things in your life are a dot. Now, guess what? When you marry that person, guess what they become? Your soulmate. You can't say, I, I married the wrong person. Now, they're the right person now. Y'all married. Shakun. Shakun. Come on, y'all. <laughs> our purpose is also others centered right or others focused put those back up there for me family those, those, those purposes and so 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 are y'all still tracking with me and so and so it must help others but then uh, listen our purpose isn't vocational we live in the entrepreneur everybody got a business There's nothing wrong with that but some of us is starting a business. We want to merge what we think is our purpose entrepreneurially to make money off of it so we can feel like we're doing the right thing in every area of life, particularly in that purpose. But let me explain something to you. Your entrepreneurialistic, your, your job or your business is not your purpose. 
hear me today, even if you help people in your job, the job isn't your purpose, the helping of the people is. You can really hear what I'm saying. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna finish this up. So what are our, what's our core purpose? Let's go through these. Put those up there. What's our core purpose? Our core purpose, number one, is to look like Jesus. People always ask me, Pastor, what's my purpose? They want to tell me to go to Yugoslavia or to whatever. No, your core purpose is to first look like Jesus Christ. He's predestined us to be conformed to the image of Christ, Romans 8, 29 says, right? But not only that, our next purpose is to make disciples, meaning help other people look like Jesus. You can't do that watching this all the time. Uh-oh. That means proximity. Amen. Make disciples. Next one is invest in the body, knowing your gift. Keep Christ's commandments. <laughs> That's your purpose. Keep his commandments. Y'all quiet on this part. <laughs> Next one, live out the one another's purpose. Next one, invest in the kingdom. Invest. Time, talent, treasure. Invest. And, 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 and listen, the church isn't the kingdom, it's a part of it. Hear me, the church is the epicenter and flowing point of the kingdom, but it's a part of God's larger kingdom. But then it says in verse three, it says commit your activities to the Lord. So this means now that, now that it's been edited and everything, now you roll that stuff to the Lord, you commit it to him, you trust him with it. Now you're trusting him with your purpose. Now you're trusting him <clears throat> with your dreams. And he said, and your works, your works, or your plans will be established. So now, now God begins to establish the things. Why is God establishing those things or putting those things in place? It's because now the things are being done. That doesn't mean it's perfect. That doesn't mean you'll perfectly do it, but it'll mean you're on the right track. Yes. Yes, right? This, this is the verse right here. It says, the Lord has prepared everything for his purpose. That's that, listen. Please, you should have that in your memory bank as a believer. That everything in this world, was everything God created has a purpose. That's why in Colossians uh, 1.16 it says all, th all things were created for Christ. That's a, that's a, prep, that's a clause of purpose in, the, in Cornet, which points to the fact that everything was made with something in mind. You know, and I'm like, I'm like that person. God, why you make roaches? What are they for? Why you make rats? Ah! What is a possum for? Right? Some stuff you just don't know. But I can't be mad at anything God made if it's made for his purpose. So that means we gotta, we gotta believe that God has purpose for the things that we like in our life and we don't like. Everything is a recycling mechanism for you to look like Jesus. Now, now, there's the, now what are the sectors of purpose? Number one, you have personal calling. You have communal calling, you can put those up there. Per personal calling, communal calling, and kingdom calling. Let's look at personal calling first. Personal calling is your specific design and function. Most people park here and stay there. That's your specific design and function. This doesn't even just, this, this includes gifts, but it also includes talents, things that God has divinely wired you to do. Now, most people want development here only because when most people talk purpose they're talking about personal calling 
They're not talking about comprehensive calling. They're not talking about it comprehensively, right? And so we talk about comprehensive calling. We, we got we to gotta pull out that. But personal calling is important because it has a place in the other two levels of calling in your life, right? The next level of calling is communal calling. Communal calling is our unified design and function to one another as believers. And so that means that now you, your, your purpose in life was never meant for you to live out your calling alone. There is an ecclesiological calling that the church is supposed to do together. We're supposed to be unified on it. Now it'll look different. Every church says, what's the vision of this church? Really, all our little vision statements are a different nuanced ways of saying the same thing. It's supposed to be. Like there has to be disciple making somewhere in the equation. If not, it's not a church. That's what I'm just saying. And so, and so, 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 so that's, that's that. But then we have kingdom calling. What's kingdom calling? Kingdom calling is our unified design and function in the world. That means we don't stay around each other all the time, but we scatter into the world to display the purposes of God in every area of life. That's why, this is exactly why our motto is showing off the, the glory of Christ where? That's right, showing the glory of Christ off in every area of life. This is where this comes from. Personal calling, communal calling, and, and kingdom calling. Now in that is family calling, but that's a part of personal, right? But this is very important for us to recognize. But what happens though, is when you, when you, when you focus on personal calling above communal and kingdom calling, you fall into the category of James chapter three, verses 13 through 18. I'm gonna read it. Who among you is wise and understanding? But his good conduct, he should, by his good conduct, he should show that his works are done in gentleness that comes from wisdom. That's walking in proper purpose and calling. But if you have bitter envy, uh-oh, and selfish ambition in your heart, don't boast and deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come from, above, from down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where there is envy and selfish ambition, personal calling only, there is disorder in every evil practice. So when people focus on personal, that's why a person that wants you, this is what will happen in church. A person will say, I need a church for this in my life. So I'm coming here for this. That's not how you relate to church. Many people say, I want the church to help me with my personal calling is what they're really saying. But what ends up happening is when you ask them to come into the other sectors of church, they won't come. They want, they want to develop the church as a menu a la carte, right? And that's not how the church works. It's personal calling, but also communal calling. And so that's why you'll see a person when they're not catered to and their little thing that they want to do isn't blessed, they leave because they were there about personal calling. They didn't understand communal calling. That's very important. And, th and then we go to uh, that, that right there, a uh, 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 kingdom calling. So purpose and calling. What has God favored and graced you to be and do for him and experience the results of? And so we go down when we talk about this idea of purpose, and it says, lastly, and I'm done, a person's heart plans his way, verse 9, but the Lord determines his steps. I love this. I love this. So a person plans their way, but the Lord orders their steps. This right here is, 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 is the key because now, what, in our life, our life is a, um, it, it is a montage of God ordering our directions in life. It's really all it is. So, so, some of the movements, the nudges that you've gone through. Uh, let me tell you something. When I was in college, I was first an accountant, that degree. 
Uh, I, that's what I'm trying to get. Not for me. You know, now that's somebody out there, that's what they do. But I, you know, I, look, I looked at, oh, they make bread. Okay, boom, I'm going to do that. But then when I saw them, num them, them, them sheets and stuff, I was like, yeah, that's, that's, I, I want to learn how to manage my money, but I need to do money management, personal management, not organizational management. That wasn't me. Then I went to marketing. And then I went to psychology. I wouldn't believe I was, I was a psychology major. I fell in love with psychology, started doing that. Got saved. When I got saved, um, then, I start, then, then I got my call to ministry. And when I got my call to ministry, I, I, I began to see that all of the ways in which God had navigated my journey, even before I was saved, was him ordering my steps. But then when I got saved, even the degree that I got that I in, didn't end up fully going into was ordering my steps to learn how to, to, to learn that I wanted to work with people. And so God uses every, listen, God doesn't waste a piece of your journey. God will take pieces of your journey and you don't even know what you got from that journey. I remember when I was a youth pastor, I wrote up a vision for youth ministry. I presented it to the leadership. They said, dude, this is not, this is not a, this is not a youth ministry. This is a church. I had small groups, outreach, evangelism, I, youth, youth ministry, youth group planting. I, I mean, they said, this is not, this is not a, this is a church, bro. And I'm like, and I just kept trying to be a youth pastor, but then, but then I started working on stuff. And over the years, the vision, the, all of the stuff that I did over those years, God used for pieces for this church to come into existence. But if I would have looked at those seasons and mismanaged them and didn't maximize every season that God put me in, I wouldn't have got those pieces for the seasons that God had for me. So every season that God puts you in, don't look at it as a mundane thing. But what I want you to do is I want you, if, if you're working at a desk, to just saying, telling people hello and greeting them, do it the best you can because you never know what God is going to have for you later on in your life. If God has you cleaning floors, be the best floor cleaner that you can ever be. If God has you as a marketing rep, do it the best that you can. If God has you helping somebody else start their business, maximize that opportunity because you never know how God is ordering your steps in another season. You gotta maximize the first season. You gotta maximize the second season. You gotta maximize the third season. You gotta maximize every season because every season has a reason. God is yet at work in you. I know you're frustrated. I know you're hurt. I know you're degraded, but God so how do you measure whether or not you are serious about something? Put those up there. I'm done. How do you measure it? Here we go. You commit it to regular prayer. If you're not praying about it, you don't care about it. <laughs> got to pray got to you got to write it you got to write and pray god has given you biblical and circumstantial clarity that it is in his will listen god will give you biblical clarity but he'll open up stuff in ways that you'll be like oh god really wants it listen it's sweet when that happens when you're like oh it's, it's finna happen god my, uh, every time you step you're stepping out on nothing and something appears under your feet Woo! I don't know if you saw Indiana Jones, and, 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 and he, was, he said, the map says that there's a bridge here, but I don't see nothing right there. Oh, y'all ain't, y'all get this in a second. And, and Indiana Jones was like, 
He, 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 I don't know about this. He said, I'm telling you, the map says that there's something there. He said, but I don't see nothing there. He said, but the map says that there's something right there. And so Indiana Jones closed his eyes because he didn't know if he was going to die or if he was going to live, but he knew he had to cross that bridge. And he didn't see it. And all of a sudden, he put his foot out and he stepped out on what looked like nothing. But out of a pit, out of nowhere, was a bridge to where he was going. Listen, the bridge ain't going to appear until you. God, let me, let me, I got to go. God is never going to make it easy for you to walk by faith. If it was easy, it wouldn't be faith. And so, but, that, but that don't mean plan. Faith isn't not planning. Planning is an act of faith. I'm trying to end, y'all. Um, planning is an act. If you don't plan, you don't have faith. You're just being trifling. Because faith calls for stewardship. All right, I got to move. Listen, transcends personal benefit. You've studied it. You don't say, I don't know, God just gonna give me wisdom out of nowhere. Yeah, okay. You counted the cost of pursuing it. You have written it down. Even if it's a working document, that's a beautiful thing. A working document that you can continue to edit and work through. Write it down, y'all. None of that. You are willing to make significant sacrifices. Faith doesn't mean not hard. Because if there's no sacrifices, you won't appreciate it. And then lastly, you have submitted it to godly counsel. You don't know everything. Listen to somebody sometime. Amen? Amen. Um, every head bow, every eye closed. Maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus as Savior. Well, the greatest plan is the plan of what we call salvation. And that plan, the Bible says that Jesus Christ was sent to the cross before the foundation of the world. In other words, in God's mind, um, there was what some called an eternal covenant that the Godhead made that they were going to save man because they knew that we would go astray and not follow God. No one is born following God. But the beautiful thing about God is before we were born, he prepared a way for us to be reborn. And that's through trusting his son, the God-man, the one who came from heaven to earth to live the life we can never live and to die the death we can never die, to crush the beef that's between God and man so that we can enjoy him forever. If you're here today and you've never placed your confidence in Jesus Christ, it's a good time to place your confidence in Jesus Christ. Hold your hand in the air. We'd love to talk to you about Jesus. Anyone in here wants to say yes to Jesus. Yes to his will, yes to his way. Yes to his will, yes to his way, yes to him. He wants to, he wants to spend eternity with you. He wants you to, salvation, he said, and this is eternal life, that you know his, the Father and his only Son. That's eternal life, being with God. It's not just about going to heaven. We don't even spend eternity in heaven. We spend eternity on earth, but we'll be in heaven temporarily. But it's about being with God. Amen. Well, every week we prepare our hearts. We, we do communion. Communion is a time to celebrate the Lord's death. If you are a believer in Christ, you trusted him as
Savior, that you can take this in a worthy manner. Uh, join us in communion. Uh, if you don't have a communion yet, hold your hand up. We got some on the back wall. We have someone up right up here in the balcony. Anyone else? Anyone else that needs communion? We got someone to, to my left, your right. A couple people right there. Hold your hand up high if you don't have communion and want to participate. Hallelujah. And thinking about rebranding purpose and dreaming, God in his providence sent us a savior. And his purpose in coming is so that he would be a ransom for many. And there gets no greater purpose than our purpose being defined and refined by our renewed commitment to Jesus Christ. That's what communion is for. That's why we do it every week. Let's eat together. Bible says life is in the blood. <laughs> life is in the blood. And our life comes from him and his purpose flows in through us. And this is the blood of the new covenant. It's not to initiate the new covenant. Christ has already did that. But we affirm that covenant by drinking together. Let us drink together. Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, thank you to your grand majesty and love and commitment to us. Lord, I thank you for the ways that you've ordered our steps, <laughs> ways that we knew that you were doing it and ways that we didn't know. Lord, God, help us to be patient with the process, but help us also to enjoy the journey. Help us not to be the kids that keep asking you, are we here yet, Dad? Are we here yet? Help us to know that we are here because you're here. Blow fresh wind on someone that's lost faith in, in the purposes of God. Blow re a renewed sense of strength and purpose in their life. Now unto him who is able to do exceeding and abundantly above all you ask or think. According to the power that is at work within you. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus from this point forth and forevermore. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Everybody agree with that said? And may God bless you. Have a wonderful week. Hello, this is Dr. Eric Mason, founder and pastor of Epiphany Fellowship. Thank you for tuning in today. Hopefully the word of God was a blessing to you. Also, if you want to help us build the kingdom from Philly and beyond, particularly in inner cities, partner with us today. And if you don't know Jesus as Savior, based on his death, burial, and resurrection, place your confidence in him and go from spiritual death to spiritual life. Tune in next time so we can see you go from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity. God bless you. Take care. We love you.